Hey, what's up, nerds? Jake Steele here. This is the Iron and Steel podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me once again this week. It is another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. I'm looking out my window right now. The sun is just starting to set. It's probably about 70 degrees. I've got the sprinklers going. I'm looking at horses grazing, doing various horse-related things out in my pasture. And uh, yeah, life is good. Summer in the Pacific Northwest is just about the best thing in the whole world. There's nowhere else I would rather be uh, during the summer. It's just the other eight months or so that are absolutely fucking terrible. But let me tell you, when it's good, it's really good. And it's really good right now. So anyway, thanks again for joining me. Uh, I've got a story for you this week. I don't even know what to say about it. Uh, It's about a 55 Chevy. Um, I don't even, I don't even own this car, uh, belongs to a friend of a friend. He asked me that, uh, asked that I sell it for him, asked me if I would sell it for him, I should say. And, uh, so he brought it over. The car is fucking stunning. I'll get into it in this story, but, uh, 55 Chevy, 210, two door, uh, post with an LS motor and a Tremec six speed It is a bad bitch. And, uh. I had the car here for a few days. I was really struck by it, and uh, I wrote this story. I just punched it out like fucking 10 minutes ago. So hot off the press, and uh, we're just going to jump right into it here. We're not even going to do any Q&A, I don't think. I've got a bunch of questions. Last week, we did an entire episode that was exclusively Q&A, and uh, I think we're going to go... 180 and just skip Q&A altogether for this episode because I think the story is long enough and uh, I want to get back to uh, working on my I've got that 32 Ford I'm swapping out the brakes and I want to get that buttoned up tonight so I think we're gonna just tell this story and then we'll say our goodbyes but uh, a little housekeeping you guys please make sure you're subscribed click follow or subscribe whatever the case is on this podcast Uh, Turn on notification alerts on Instagram. Iron and Steel is the Instagram. Uh, My website, ironandsteel.com. Please scroll to the bottom of the page. Click subscribe. Punch in your email. It just takes a second. You're going to be on my email list. Uh, The worst case scenario is that you get an email a week from me just reminding you that there's a, uh, a fresh article and fresh podcast that are available every Tuesday. That is the case. In uh, most cases, I forget entirely uh, to even send an email out. So the stakes are very low. But uh, do click subscribe and follow and all that good stuff on uh, this podcast and on Instagram. Share the links. Do all that good stuff. It would be greatly appreciated. All right. Let's jump into this story about this 55 Chevy. Uh, This car really struck me. It was just here for a few days. I'll get into it in this story, but uh, it's a bad motherfucker. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. This story is called Pure Violence. Okay, guys, here we go. Pure violence. Go to the website. You're going to figure out why it's called that here pretty quickly. But uh, go to the site and check that story out for yourself. The photos are going to tie this whole thing together. This is a bad bitch, this 55 Chevy. Uh, Per usual, 
my little disclaimer. I'm just scrolling through my website, ironandsteel.com, reading this story aloud. And so if I fumble over a word here or there, just cut me a little bit of slack. The stakes are low. Uh, it is what it is. We're just going to keep going. And uh, yeah, here we go. So pure violence. The story goes like this. Hi, Jake. My friend Ryan gave me your phone number and he said I should get a hold of you. I have a classic car I'd like to sell and I wondered if you'd be interested in helping me out with that. I get text messages and phone calls pretty similar to this really often. See, guys will call and ask me to list their cars for sale for them. It makes me chuckle a little because the act of selling an old car really takes no real work at all. But guys do this with me pretty often for one reason or another. Usually they are too lazy, too busy, or a combination of those things. In this case, David, the guy with this particular car, isn't lazy. Now, he may be busy, but he's not so busy that he couldn't deal with this himself. So, this case was something just a little bit different. You see, David is not a car guy. And I think that the proposition of getting steamrolled by some fast-talking potential buyer more educated than him on the ins and outs of antiquated rolling metal boxes just simply did not appeal to David. Uh, I already knew the car. You see, a year or so earlier, I had drooled over it at my friend Robbie's repair shop. Aside from being my close friend, Robbie is the go-to around here for all things hot rod, race car, or anything fast that needs to be diagnosed, tuned, or otherwise tweaked. He is an absolute master of his craft, and for that reason, there is never any shortage of badass cars in the bays of his shop Racers Automotive. And this one was no exception. <clears throat> the car is a 1955 Chevy 210 Post. And when I encountered it sitting at Robbie's shop, the first thing that struck me was the stance. It was absolutely hammered sitting slightly nose low with a hot amount of California rake. And it looked amazing sitting on black wall tires, black steel wheels, and dog dish caps. This car really looked like it was about to punch you in the fucking face just sitting there. This is a welcomed departure from the typical lame-colored, torque-thrust-clad, baby-doll, crybaby-doll fucking magnet that is the typical Tri-5 Chevy around here. I'm a big fan of mean-looking cars, and this one was very striking. The hood was up, and as I approached it, 
something out of place came into focus under the hood. There, nestled snugly between the inner fenders, sat a modern-looking, fuel-injected, small-block ship. There was no mistaking what it was, of course, but there, prominently displayed at the front of the engine on a piece of new-fangled technology that is too advanced for a guy like me to know the technical term to, was the confirmation. It read, LS2. Me. Whoa! LS motor, huh? My statement was met with a swift reaction from Robbie. Dude. His tone was serious. You should drive this fucking thing. You would shit your pants. He said this with a slightly amused, but very serious expression on his face that told me right away that he wasn't kidding and that there must be something special about this particular car. Is it pretty fast? I asked. Robbie immediately scoffed. Man, I'm telling you, this thing flat out shits and gets. It's fucking incredible. Now, here's something you should know about Robbie. If he says something is fast, you can count on that. You see, Robbie has been into hot rods and race cars his entire life. His whole world is fast cars. We're talking about a guy that street drives a 900 horsepower blown Hemi that's stuffed in between the rails of a 41 Willys Coupe. He has drag raced, street raced, tuned, or otherwise, quote, been fucking with big cube, high horsepower cars since the dawn of time. This guy's wife drives a 737 horsepower Hellcat, for God's sake. He has scoffed at more than a few of my own cars that I thought were pretty peppy with, psh, it's a fucking mutt which is a pretty good example of how unimpressed Robbie is by most cars' power offerings. When Robbie got that stern look on his face, I knew, simply put, the car was fast. Of course, I didn't drive the Chevy that day. You should drive it wasn't an actual offer to drive it. After all, it was a customer's car, not Robbie's. You wish you could drive it, would have been a more accurate thing to say. Still, I left impressed by this little 55 Chevy with a fantastic look that had so affected my friend. I didn't drive it, but I wanted to. <clears throat> so here we are, some time later. And the owner of this amazing car is now beating down my door asking me to pedal the little powerhouse. Its owner, David, again not a car guy, had purchased the car on a whim. Maybe he was in a different place in his life then. Maybe it was love at first sight that turned out to be just a fling in the end. Maybe he woke up one day and decided he was more interested in collecting stamps 
truth is, I don't know what would cause someone to fall out of love with such an amazing car, but apparently, David did. And now, he was counting on me to find someone else to fall in love with it all over again. And in my opinion, this was going to be an easy task. I already loved it, but <clears throat> I knew that I couldn't have it. You see, I've been on an automotive bender of sorts for the last several years. One that has had me teetering on the razor's edge of either being the target of some kind of bizarre intervention or maybe even some divorce lawyer's kid's college tuition. In short, I could not afford to drag another car home for a million reasons, but I was happy to foster it for a little while. So David's thought was that I would just take the car and house it until it was sold. This was the program with the car that I had sold for his friend that had given him my number. And I do this pretty often. I just handle everything all the way through and simply bring the guy back a pile of cash when the car sold. In this case though, I didn't have the room. You see, my wife had been having to park her car outside of the garage for a long time. And it was starting to become a bit of a sore subject. She said, you promised me when we moved here that I would always be able to park my car in the garage. You said that since you had all that space in the barn and in the shop, that you would always make sure that I would have a spot to park my car in the, in the garage attached to the house. Remember? I did remember, and for the last nine months or so, I had been breaking that promise with a slew of classic cars that came and went, and more often than not, spilled over into her parking spot in the garage. She was right. I was guilty. And while she made her comment in a sort of joking manner, I knew that the truth was she wasn't happy about it. And since it rains about 70% of the fucking time here in the Pacific Northwest, I could see why she would be tired of seeing some new old clunker parked in her spot every time she came through the garage, soaking wet and annoyed. So, David's car couldn't stay. Instead, I proposed that he just bring it out to me in the morning and leave it for the day. I wanted to familiarize myself with the car so that I could accurately describe it in the ad. I wanted to have ample time with the car to be able to get proper photos. For that, I wanted it all day because while I'm no photographer, I have figured out that different cars just photo better in different light. And I wanted to be sure to capture this car as best as possible. And that tends to take a little time. Oh yeah, and of course, I also wanted to drive it. So arrangements were made, and on a Friday morning, the car came rumbling down my gravel driveway, along with a loud scrape of the front cross member as it dragged its way across my gravel driveway coming off the road. 
Man, that fucker's low, I thought to myself. It was low, and it looked absolutely killer, just as I had remembered it. This time, though, a new shock to the senses. I was, for the first time, hearing this thing run, and it sounded amazing. David gets out of the car and we chat for a bit while he waits for his wife to come pick him up. I'm asking about the car. I'm saying, does it have any quirks or anything I need to know that's special to start or to drive it? And the rundown was brief and to the point and was that basically it just started and ran like a regular car and there was nothing too spectacular to report when it came to quirks. Perfect. So, uh, it's pretty fast is what I heard, I said to David. He just sort of turned around and gave me a smirking response and said, yes, it really is. But the difference between his delivery of this affirmation and the way Robbie had put it spoke volumes. David's face told me very clearly that while he knew it was fast, this fact had not been driven home by anything in particular. What I mean is that basically, he knew the car had balls, but I could tell he did not dare to drive it that way. Honestly, I think the car's ability scared him. And it was clear to me that he likely shifted the thing at about 1500 RPMs everywhere he went and stayed as far away from unleashing any real power as possible. After David left me with the car, agreeing that he would come to retrieve it the following evening, I moved it down the driveway and parked it. I had some errands to run and I would deal with getting to know the car when that was all said and done. So I turned the key and it rumbled to life with a noise and a feeling that both affected you physically. You felt it in your chest. I put it into gear, impressed with how tight and modern the shifter and the transmission felt. And I got the car out of my way, resisting the urge to take it for a quick spin right then. I went on with my day, but all the while, I thought about that car and imagined what it might drive like. And I was about to find out. <clears throat> so finally, my chores and errands were done and I made my way out to that 55 Chevy. It seemed like it looked more badass every time I encountered it. And as I walked up to it, I thought to myself, all right, well, Let's see what all the fuss is about. My goal was to get some photos and I have three very specific spots that I typically use to take car photos that are near my house, which is in a rural area with little traffic and lots of winding country roads. As I pulled out onto the street, I shifted the way I imagined David must low RPMs, just getting a feel for the car. It drove really, really well. It was more like driving a modern car than a nearly 70-year-old one, which to me is an odd feeling. Not a bad one, but 
an odd one nonetheless. I'd taken a few blocks down the way and turned left onto Altman Road, my usual first choice when it comes to classic car photos. This is a long, straight stretch of country road with a beautiful view of Mount Hood at the end of it and farmer's fields on either side of the lonely, stripeless blacktop. It makes for great pictures and I utilize it pretty often. Another thing that it happens to be fantastic for is burnouts due to how flat and isolated this road is. I wasn't about to do any big smoky burnouts in someone else's car though. I know better than that. I did, however, slowly roll into the throttle in second gear and while the car and while the car lacks a tachometer, I'm sure I brought it up to about 3,500 RPMs, nothing major, just to see if my friend Robbie had lied. He hadn't. It was indeed pretty fast. But what's the big deal, I thought to myself. It's pretty quick, but I'm still alive. <laughs> I tried to convince myself that it was no big deal, but in the back of my mind, I knew that I was lying to myself. I knew that 3,500 RPMs was right about where it really started making power. So I took some photos on Altman Road. It turned out okay, nothing special. The light wasn't cooperating just the way I wanted it to, so I thought to myself, I'll take it down behind the old John Deere store. But I won't do anything stupid I'll just mosey on over there, take my photos, and come back home. Now, the old John Deere store spot is about three miles from my house, and it's a cool old building that makes for, some, for an excellent backdrop. I pointed the nose of the Chevy that way, and off I went. With every passing yellow line in the road, I grew more familiar with the car. Man. It was capable. I would roll into the throttle a little more with every shift, careful not to be too irresponsible with it. After all, it wasn't mine to be irresponsible with. And according to Robbie, just a couple of hours on the phone, a couple of hours before on the phone, I needed to, quote, be careful with that thing. And he wasn't kidding when he said it. So, I was. I arrived at the spot, positioned the car, and took my photos. Then I turned it around and did the same thing with the other side. I took all my pictures, I got some video, and decided that was good enough. So, satisfied, I jumped in, fired it up, and started heading home. The main road between that spot and my house is called Orient Drive. It is a two-lane road with a speed limit of somewhere between 45 and 55. Nobody is ever really quite sure. It's not posted. And for that reason, everyone just kind of drives whatever speed they feel. I figured this would be a good opportunity to open up the car just a little bit more. And after all, 
I had about five miles on her by this point, which is more than enough for me to become acquainted with just about any car. I was tired of wondering about it. I wanted to get just a small taste of how quick this car might really be. <clears throat> I'm cruising along, speeding up here and there, but still driving pretty responsibly and not doing anything too stupid. I would wind the RPMs up slowly to the point where it really started to scream and shift and carry on. I was probably doing about 55 or so, just enjoying the ride and contemplating whether I should really fucking hammer on it or not. When all of the sudden in my rearview mirror appears a little gray SUV. It's coming up fast very fast in fact and in no time flat it's directly on my rear bumper i look at this dumb bitch in the mirror and she's giving me the what the fuck hand signal you know the one right it's the one that doubles as both wtf and get the fuck out of my way it's actually one i know so here I am, trying to resist the urge of being irresponsible and simply drive and enjoy the ride home when just like that, the choice was made for me. After about five seconds of this tailgating shit, I had had enough. Without even thinking about it and in one motion, I mashed the pedal to the floor slammed the shifter down into third gear and sidestepped the clutch. The sound that came out of this car is unlike anything I have ever experienced. It was as if hell had unleashed its full wrath all at once in a massive, high-winding, explosive affair that shocked every sense I had. From a 55 mile per hour roll, this car immediately broke loose and blew the fucking tires in a massive smoke show as the Speedo's needle immediately buried itself. Within two seconds, I was shifting into fourth gear and the car continued to pull with so much force I couldn't even fucking believe it. It shoved me back in the seat so hard I was holding onto the shifter and the steering wheel for dear life to simply stay upright and stay on top of the pedals. Slightly pitched to the right as I felt the tires finally stop spinning, which just made the G-force that much more intense as I put about a half a mile between myself and the tailgater in about five seconds before finally letting off my eyes as big as saucers. The motherfucker sounded and felt like I was going full throttle on 10 CR500 dirt bikes at one time. I could not fucking believe this thing. It was like riding a street bike that had four wheels. Pure fucking violence in every sense. The best part was, it still had two more gears to go. Unreal. 
Now, I didn't get into those last two gears, though. That was enough for me. I was about a mile from home, and it was time to head straight there. No more fucking around. I pulled into the garage, shut the door, closed... Oh, shut it down. Closed the garage door. Immediately called Robbie. What the fuck has been done to this car? I asked him. Robbie couldn't explain it, other than to say, first, I told you so. And secondly, that, quote, someone has to have been in that motor. That ain't the stock 400 horsepower. And he wasn't kidding. And look, most people don't know what 400 actual horsepower feels like. They might plop a cam and a holly carb on their junkyard Chevy 350 and go around telling people it's 400 horsepower when really it's 270. Most people haven't felt 400 horsepower and have no clue what it actually feels like. I do. Robbie does. And this, as Robbie put it, ain't it. Now, I don't know how much horsepower is truly coming out of that fucking thing, but it's a lot more than 400. And one thing I did know was that that car had to go back to its home like ASAP before things got stupid. It's a dangerous proposition, me owning that car. And I knew that much right away. David was called into work the next day and the car ended up staying one more night. I could not resist and I did drive it a little bit more just to make absolutely sure that I didn't actually need it. And I did wind it up a few more times on those back country roads, but I encountered no more tailgaters and I did no more especially stupid things in that insanely fast, capable, well-handling 1955 Chevy. It went home shortly after that, and I will admit that I was sad to see it go. But relieved, it didn't stay. At the time of this writing, this car is available for sale to somebody who loves violence in their driving experience. Go to the website, ironandsteel.com, look at the photos. You can email me at jake at ironandsteel.com. guys there you have it pure violence and I really mean that that car is absolutely violent uh, in the best way that was the first thing that came to my mind after I drove it it's the only way I can describe it and uh, it's an incredible car go to the website check it out for yourself ironandsteel.com uh, this is not a classified ad this is just uh, I was genuinely so struck by this car uh, that I sat down and punched that story out not very long ago and uh, I figured I would uh, read it to you guys so thank you for listening to that uh, go to the website check out the photos the car is really awesome it's a bitching car very striking the stance everything about it the photos kind of tell the story but uh, yeah it's just one of those cars I don't know if you guys have ever had a car like this in the past where uh, 
for some reason everything just works so perfectly like together with everything else like everything is so harmonious and everything just clicks with this thing and it's so much faster than you would think it would be i've had a few cars like that that are just kind of shocking you think like you know for what it is it shouldn't be that quick or it shouldn't run that hard and uh, for what this car is, it should already run hard and do all the stuff and be impressive. But uh, this thing is, I don't even know how to describe it other than pure violence. So. Yeah, so that's the story. Go check it out for yourself, ironandsteel.com. While you're there, please click subscribe, share this story, share the links to this podcast, and uh, share the links to this website, the story on the website. Tell your friends and family. And uh, the other thing, please keep your stories coming. Uh, I've been reading you mostly my stories and Dale Matthews stories, some uh, stuff from his book, Every Deal's Different, uh, the last couple of episodes. And while that's all well and good, I certainly want to get back to reading more listener and reader stories. So please keep those coming in. They are the most fun to tell and everybody really seems to enjoy them. So don't be a lazy prick. Sit down, punch out a story, submit it to me, jake at ironandsteel.com. I will tell every story that I receive here on this podcast and uh, I will publish it as an article as well if you include photos. And uh, yeah, it's a bitch in time. So let's uh, keep that going. All right. As I mentioned before, the sun is going down beautiful outside. I've got some stuff I want to do. I've got a car I want to button up. So in the interest of time, we're going to skip the Q&A. Don't let that stop you from sending in your own questions, comments, uh, jake at ironandsteel.com or direct message me on Instagram, whatever is easiest. And uh, yeah, typically we do a Q&A at the end of every episode. That's a lot of fun too. And I've got a few questions that rattled on in this week, but I'm just going to save them for next week and we'll do maybe a more lengthy uh, Q&A next week's episode so don't hesitate send in your stories send in your questions comments topics and um shit's bed Fred I think that's about it let's call it a wrap thank you guys so much for joining me I hope you enjoyed pure violence and uh, I'll talk to you guys again in exactly seven days peace